Welcome to the Mentia Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. This is Solvay Brown, and I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Leon Zen today. We will talk about the business case for conscious inclusion, how lessons from behavioral insights can help people make cha positive changes in their life, and Dr. Zen will also share some great tips for influencing. Dr. Leon Zen is the Senior Director of Behavioral Marketing and Analytics at Morningstar. He received a PhD from Purdue University with a focus on human factors and management science. He has also completed executive education at Yale University. Dr. Zen has over 20 academic publications and has co-authored an APA handbook of consumer psychology. He lives in the Boston area and enjoys cooking, dining, and networking. Welcome, Leon. I am so glad to have you as a guest today. The honor is mine. Thank you, Sylvie, for having me today. Yes. Leon, our topic this month is conscious inclusion. Can you share why inclusion and DEI is important to the success of a business? Yeah, absolutely, Sylvie. This is such a personally very intriguing and very important topic, I think. So I, on our team, we often talk about the arguments out there that some people kind of view the desire for fostering DEI at the odds of uh, hiring for the top talent. And in my view, and in our view, these two desires or these two goals should not be at the odds of each other. Instead, fostering DEI can often help us find and secure and retain the best talent. I think that sometimes people out there might have some concerns over the DEI topic, maybe because our, for some of us, maybe our understanding of the word DEI, where diversity essentially is still staying at a, maybe a starting level. And we view diversity as only meaning that we look differently and of different gender or of different races. And, and so it might be helpful if we could elevate our understanding of diversity to a higher level. And essentially, we believe that diversity should capture what's cognitive diversity for in the business world. In other words, at Morningstar, I think one thing we did really well, and we're trying to do that and, and trying to propagate it throughout the whole organization, is trying to foster DEI in a meaningful way and in a proper way to make sure that we give all the job candidates equal chances to demonstrate their cognitive diversity and how they can help us solve real world business challenges effectively. And how we did it, and I think what we did it was through what's a structured interview. So basically, for each specific, we're trying to fill the will form a hiring committee, and so the search or hiring committee will jointly identify those essential skills needed for someone to be successful and effective at that position. So be it technical skills or problem solving skills, we would. Um, then uh, we would then accordingly design technical skill problems or questions or case right to analyze uh, if someone has the needed technical skills or business analytic skills or problem solving skills to be effective and then we give everybody according to the role we will design the uh, structured interview guides and we give everybody the same set of questions to answer business cases to analyze and then we will evaluate everybody's responses according to the same rubrics we would then invite those uh, top scored candidates on site for their interview. So that's one thing we're doing to try to 
foster, truly foster DEI and what's cognitive diversity to help the business and also help us deliver best value to our clients. And I think that, so to sum up, I always try to use analogy to try to shed some light on some of these loaded, complex topics, right? So if I could draw analogy from Star Wars, I would, we would say that we like Yoda on the team, not because Yoda is a short or green, but because Yoda has some special talent to inspire others on the team like Luke Skywalker to accomplish the mission. That is a great analogy. And I like how your structured interview hiring process is such a solid example of how an organization can level the playing field in an interview and be more likely to get the Yoda candidates through to those final interviews. So thank you for sharing actual practices that you can do. Leon, you came to the U.S. as an immigrant. Can you tell me what that experience was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So this is such a great question. I think it will be an interesting question well, as well to maybe to some other folks who might share similar experience as I do um, if they also came to this country to try to fight for and realize their American dream. So I came to this country to further my graduate study. I would say that the adjectives I would use to, to describe my experience as both thrilling and frightening. <laughs> <laughs> right. So when I first came to this country, I clearly still remember that very vivid moment when I first landed in the ORD International Airport in Chicago. I couldn't even understand any single word that the people were speaking around me. And I just said to myself, welcome to Mars, Leah. And so I think <laughs> that was the frightening part of the experience. But the thrilling part and the rewarding part is really that I think U.S. has provided these ample opportunities for people to learn, for people to uh, to, to adventure in their life and, as, uh, and then to learn from their experience and then to grow professionally. And so I learned so much at school and also at work. And I think what truly makes my experience to be thrilling, I think I owe a huge thanks to all my mentors, both through at work and also through the Mentium program. I really want to emphasize that. So I learned a lot from my um, mentor from the Mentium program, Janice Copra, and uh, who is currently uh, chief commercial officer at uh, the Tropicana uh, brand group. And so I think uh, for some folks like me who came from who came to this country from a foreign culture, we might have experienced a culture shock. How people think might not be the same way as how people we think should think in our home country. So, and then um, I think when I first came to this country, when I first in a when I try to present my, my thesis or any of the things at school or at work, when I try to propose a business solution to my colleagues, try to get buy-ins from others, then we realize that, hey, to be effective in the real world business is quite different from solving an equation in our schoolwork on the book. And so I think what I truly learned a lot is about the soft skill. And the soft skill is something that I didn't learn back school in my home country. And then I think some people might already be very good at it and they might be born with the talent with a super good soft skill, but not me, right? I have to learn my way up. And I think through the Mentium program, I learned a lot outside of the school about the soft skills and how do you present a solution that potentially would get a lot of buy-ins from people or it would invite a lot of interesting questions from others at least. So I think this is something really, truly is beneficial 
to my career growth. And I would say that for people who came to this country from another cultural background, learning all of this through mentoring program, through more if experienced mentors sharing their experience would help us avoid bumping our nose again. And maybe our route forward will be a little bit more smoother if we could learn from those elite mentors. Yes. And it was so great that your company had that program because it seems like it was a really good way for you to feel supported and included and learn the skills that you didn't necessarily know you didn't know because they are so full of cultural nuances. So that is such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Leon, you. you are also an expert in behavioral insights. So I really can't let you leave this interview today without asking you two questions. One, why is it so difficult to change behavior? And then secondly, I'm wondering, can you give us some pointers on how you know we can use insights from behavioral science to make positive changes in our life? Yeah, absolutely. These are two great questions. So we, we got asked a lot on our team uh, as a behavior team in the, in the business world. So I think, firstly, how come it's so challenging to to foster any positive behavior change? I think that we, as we learn from psychology, people um, tend to enjoy the comfort from the status quo. And then they fear, they often fear the uncertainty and the risks from making a change or after making a change. So that's why you typically hear concepts such as behavior inertia, where people, they often argue with you in the business world that, oh, we've done this for ages. Well, this is always how things get done here, <laughs> right? Things like that. And then you try to propose a change, people use those arguments to argue against you. And what are some of the, I would say, behavior, seemingly straightforward behavior leverage we can leverage to, to nudge desired changes? I think that there are some simple ones for people to get started. So I would really say that uh, start from small, so start small and reduce the friction. So I will elaborate on this two simple behavior levers a little bit. Start from small. Don't ask for some, don't ask for a big change to begin with. Try to foster some small change to begin with, right? So I think that people already know that we all should work out, but it's really very difficult for us to encourage all of us and others to work out more. In the financial world, uh, a lot of companies like us, we would like to encourage people to save more, to stay invested, and then to stay, to invest prudently. But all of this, as you can imagine, are very challenging behavioral asks we want to get realized. And so definitely when we talk about start small, you see some of the banks being out there being smart. So instead of asking people to save $1,000, $2,000 each month, they ask people to, hey, maybe start by saving $10 each month, or maybe saving the change from every purchase, every buy you make, right? So start from small and then reduce the friction. What does that mean? Make it easy for people to make the change. So some of the smart companies, again, out there, and when they try to encourage people to save more, they would de develop some smart apps and which would enable people to uh, make those we call set and done, set and forget type of thing, right? Uh, you set once that, hey, every month, and let me automatically transfer $10 from my checking account to my savings account, or set and then you set it, and then you forget about it, and then you just watch all the savings grow as time goes by. So start small and reduce friction. And if in the same time, you can reward yourself a little bit, and then that will help you foster a meaningful new habit 
maybe more effectively. So these are some of the easy things I think people can already get started trying. Oh, thanks, Leanne. I look forward to trying those out. Start small, reduce friction, maybe offer yourself some rewards. That is great. And I also like the examples of how businesses can use these principles to create changes for customers, clients, consumers of that nature. So thank you. Leanne, you're also really good at influencing. Can you suggest some ways that people can expand their skill set for being more influential in their organization? Yeah, absolutely, Sylvie. And I think this is another, could be very complex topic. I think a lot of uh, people in both academia and also business, they were intrigued by this topic. And of course, there are a lot of, there are a lot of way smarter people than who I am to recommend approaches, right? So I just want to talk about one approach, which I tried and uh, uh, personally, it worked for me to be a little bit, uh, to add a little bit more influencing power uh, or influencing effectiveness for my role. And so I think that a lot of people, what they struggle is that they want to rally people to achieve like a joint goal, right? And then sometimes they struggle because they find out that others do not listen to them or they couldn't get others buy in. And then they ask the question, how can we be more influential? How can we effectively rally people up, not just the people reporting to us, that will be the easiest way, but how do you rally people above you, around you, and who do not report you, join your fight to fight against the same goal. So one thing I find, one, one technique I find to be very effective is to be a giver, to be helpful to others. This might sound uh, from the surface uh, kind of Unintuitive because many of us, due to that natural human tendency, we might view the world as a zero-sum game. If I do not get my proposal adopted, someone else are going to get their proposal adopted. If uh, things do not move um, in the way I like, then the things will move in the ways that others like. But it doesn't have to be that way. The real world does not have to function as a zero-sum game that our win has to be someone else's loss and or vice versa. I think uh, outstanding psychologist Adam Grant has done a lot of research illustrating the on this illuminating topic of givers and takers in the organization. And so I think according to his research, very interesting finding is that givers tend to be more successful career-wise than takers in the organization. I think from a psychology standpoint, it's not that difficult to understand why this is the case for givers to be more influential, to be more successful. That's because when you, when you give help to others without being asked, when you try to strive, always strive for win-win situations, it's likely that uh, people First, they will see what's also in it for them. When you strive for a win-win situation, then you are more likely you are going to get their buy-in. And also, when you always try to help others with or without being asked, then the power of psychology will work out its magic later on that you'll be surprised when people reciprocate your favor. And even you couldn't, even when you couldn't remember whatever favor you did to them, but people still remember in their mind, then they reciprocate and they help you out when you are in need. So I think that being a giver, trying to be helpful, try to always strive for win-win situations are some of the easy things that might seem unintuitive, but very helpful. I tried, it worked for me, my work for others as well. Oh, thank you for that, because that is a really easy 
thing to try out, to, to practice more intentionally giving without thinking about what you're going to get back of just saying, how can I just give in this situation to help someone else? And like you said, I like how you said later down the road, it will come back to you and you won't even remember how you helped someone out initially, but people remember if you give generously to people, they don't forget that. And in the future will help you out. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good way to summarize it. So I think I like the idiom that, oh, the karma train will come to bite you. I think it will work the other way. The karma train will come to help you out as well if you got things done right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great analogy. Leanne, we have time for three final questions. The first one is, do you have any habits or practices that you feel have contributed to your success? So first, I wouldn't use the word success or successful to describe where I am. And I think that I'm still at a very beginning phase of a long journey to try to drive some meaningful difference. But I think that I could share some of the lessons I learned, some of the habits that worked for me that might help others as well. So the first habit I'd like to share is uh, first and foremost, be reliable to your colleagues and to your management. And this will be very helpful. And a second, think hard before you work hard. <laughs> Again, this might also sound a little bit unintuitive, but if we just dive into something and start working without thinking, and sometimes we find out that we're not being truly effective. If we think hard, strategize more smartly, often you find that you'll be more efficient in terms of identifying the most promising approach to solve the business problem at hand. And often you don't have to work as hard if you think hard to begin with. And I think thirdly, very important is that be meticulous, be detail-oriented. And this might help you us to create high-quality work if we, are, if we are prudent and always meticulous and focus on all the details. Oh, Leon, thank you so much. Those are great practices. Next question, what would your advice be to up-and-coming leaders? Yeah, so um, only very two simple ones, I think, work for me. But from the deep of my heart, I think these are the right thing to do. So lead by example, lead by kindness. And uh, you will see how Karma Train will come back to reward you if you do this. <laughs> oh, I love that. Lead by example, lead by kindness. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Uh, yeah, we don't I need the like karma train. Everyone did that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need the karma train to come back to reward us. I just, from the deep of my heart, I think, I just firmly believe these are the right thing for leaders to do. If every leader can do this in his or her work, we can jointly make this a little, make this world a little bit better for us, oh, for all totally, of us. Totally. Okay. Final question, Leon. Do you have a favorite saying, quote, or motto? I do have one, Elve, and so I think what has been really motivating for me through all of these years, and the reason why I gave you all of this, my thoughts this way, is all because of one person, Michelle Obama. I really like what um, those memorable lines in one of her speeches, where she said that when you've worked hard and done well, you walked through that doorway of opportunities. You do not just slam it shut behind you. Instead, you reach back and give other folks the equal chances, the same chances that help you succeed. So I think that's, the, that's really those, what's, that's what motivates me through all of the years uh, to give back through Mentium program and then um, to be helpful to others, hopefully at work. 
to the best of our ability. Oh, Leon, that is a beautiful quote too. And this podcast on and such a good reminder that you have a responsibility to help others in the way that you've been helped and to, I love that, go back through that door and help others be successful too. Leon, thank you so much for being my guest today. I especially appreciated you sharing your story of what it felt like to be an immigrant, like welcome to Mars. I love that. And how mentoring helped you learn the soft skills that are so essential to doing well in business. Thank you for your timely reminder that conscious inclusion maximizes cognitive diversity, ultimately strengthens the bottom line, and for the interview technique that makes the interview process more fair for everybody applying for a particular position. I look forward to trying out your suggestions for creating positive change and limiting inertia. And I really appreciated that the best practice for influencing is to be a giver and just to give. And I love your advice to be kind as a leader. Thank you all for listening to this Mentium Matters podcast. We have many great episodes lined up and look forward to having you back next time.